The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Oh, guns up, giddy up. Welcome to the Fair to Stop podcast, the number one channel where first responders go to be informed and entertained, bringing you five shows a week, starting every Monday with a little bit of comedy, a little true crime on Tuesday, political news on Wednesdays, Com Center Dispatch Yourself on Thursday, Friday, The Breakdown. Uh, today's show is brought to you by GhostBed.com forward slash Wolfpack, and of course, FactorMeals.com, promo code Wolfpack50. I always say that uh, I'll never go to jail. I'll never go to jail or prison because they don't have ghost beds there. If they had a ghost bed in jail, if, if Sheriff Joe had a ghost bed in, in his prisons, I would have went to jail. I would have traveled to Arizona, and I would have done something to screw up and land myself in there so I could be on a ghost bed every daggone night. That's how great these ghost beds are. Uh, if you have a ghost bed, it will make you literally commit less crimes because, because you, you would, would not, not want, want to go, go Sorry about that. Drew jumped in here and caused a heck of an echo. But you would not want to uh, – you wouldn't want to go to jail because you wouldn't want to sleep without your ghost bed. So we really appreciate ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Uh, today we have a very, very special guest, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Welcome to the stream, Sheriff. You're known as – listen, I don't even want to say what you're known as, Sheriff, because I feel like every news company – and every podcast that's ever done a show with you starts off the same exact way. How do they start it off? You know, I uh, years and years ago, uh, TV cops started by my friend, the sheriff in Broward County. And I've been on that many times. But now you guys are filling that void, although I think they're back. But I want to thank you guys for your show main issue i know first responders but i'm talking about cops right now is uh you are a great voice defending the cops and letting the public know how they're all getting screwed up thrown under the bus so thank you for doing that and i see a red phone you got behind you i got the same phone <laughs> i was the sheriff i don't know how old that phone is i'm not going to tell you my age but I was there before even telephones came out. Yeah, you started your law enforcement career what, back in the 70s. Is that correct? I started uh, my career as a uh, police officer, Washington, D.C., 1957. Actually, 1954 when I got out of the Army. I walked a black beat for four years. Can I say black? I guess it's okay. Yeah, black I think so. Four years in Washington, D.C. Had a lot of assaults on me. I was a young cop, 21 years old. I locked everybody up, spitting on the sidewalk and all that. But it was a black beat. So I had a little problem. Had a lot of assaults. But I had a gun, Smith and Wesson. My favorite because I born and raised in Springfield, Mass., that's where a gun comes from. Had a blackjack. I don't know if you know what a blackjack is. No. I don't. I'm and only I, 40. 
and I had my baton, and that's all I had. I didn't have machine guns. And I, how do these cops ever do anything now? They get they're loaded down. <laughs> I've gone fifteen. You know all this stuff. I, how can you arrest anybody? We're just anymore? trying to keep up with the uh, the NFL. You know they keep adding pads. We keep adding pads. Um, and before you know it, we're just going to be like ginormous bubbles rolling around. <laughs> you look like, uh, I can see you, you know, I, I, are you Eric or are you? I am. I am Eric. I'm the younger Eric. of the bunch. Drew is having computer difficulties. You're so, a big uh, guy. yeah, you're a big guy. You could take down five guys. <laughs> One shot, not the shot. <laughs> I don't know who the other guy is on your show, but he looks okay too. Man, he's a big boy. He's like six foot four. He's a massive guy. Yeah, he is. I'm I'm like five eight, five nine. So I mean, he's, if a I, dangerous, he's a dangerous weapon. Then what's yeah, he got he a gun for? <laughs> right now, what what is the black beat? Is that just like a like an all black neighborhood? Is that what a black beat is? What's a black beat? I don't know what you call it. Okay. There's no white uh, guys there. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I racial profile. I shouldn't say that. I, you know, that's your limitation. I'm trying to be honest with you. Why had a black beat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see a white guy. I used to see a white guy in the alley, yeah. 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. Either scoring, drugs, gambling, yeah. hooker. So I go up to him. Hey, what are you doing here? The guy's white. Would I have gone up to him if it was maybe, but he's out of place. So what do you call that? Is that right. Racial profile? profile? Huh? Yeah. It's common it's... sense. <laughs> it's uh, sense. <laughs> uh, I got Drew popping in back here again. He's causing an echo. But uh, they, uh, they, you know, with the racial profile thing you said there, I used to say that jokingly all the time that, like, when people would say, oh, you're, like, profiling, I'm like, no, 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 no. Everybody that I work with in this this area, they're they're all of uh, the same the same race. So if anything, I profile a white person because we have to do those FBI profiling forms. Anytime you pull somebody over, you've got to fill out an FBI profiling form. And every day, you know, because there was only majority ninety nine percent African American uh, that worked that that lived in my beat, I rarely got to see a white person. So when I did see a white person, I always felt like I needed to give them a ticket so that my racial profiling forms showed that I wasn't just giving black people tickets. Which then in its, in itself is kind of unfair, right? Because like now, I mean, that literally created profiling. It's just profiling against white people, which I, I, I'm guessing in twenty twenty. 2022 2021 that that's okay if you're profiling against white people but um but i thought those fbi profiling forms were, were kind of unfair and they didn't paint like they didn't paint the exact picture of what was actually going on like i would absolutely love to catch white people doing crime shit except white people don't live there so how am i supposed to how am i supposed to work these these profiling forms well first of all i'm the expert actually i'm an equal opportunity guy i lock everybody up my mother and father came from Italy. When I got the job as a federal narcotic agent, after I left the Vegas police and locked up Elvis, by the way. Yeah, what did you how, what did you watch like Elvis, Elvis up for? Well, he was going about 100 miles an hour. I went from Washington, D.C. to the Vegas police department. Okay. 
I spent six uh, months there, then I became a federal agent in Chicago. But anyway, I see the motorcycle, Harley, which is okay. I like Harley. Cops now, they don't buy Harley. They still buy Chinese motorcycles or so. Now, Sheriff Joe, listen, I've got I've, I've got to jump in on this. I got to jump in on the motorcycle thing. Uh, you know, I thought that the Harley Davidsons, right? When you have a parade of Harley Davidsons, I know you've done a bunch of Veterans Day parades and all that thing, those those awesome things. Now, when a Harley Davidson is in a parade, or there is a Harley Davidson coming after you on a cop car, there there is like there is like an escalation. There is a it strikes a sense of fear. The the rumbling of the Harley, the like it. You could feel it in your soul. Right now, all these little uh, Chinese bikes, these Japanese bikes that are in these parades going, me, 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 me. It's almost embarrassing. I'm almost like, you know what? Let's like let's not put these things in the parade because it's embarrassing. They sound so weak. I miss the old American muscle. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. I, when I was uh, the sheriff, I had crowns, you know, and all that stuff. Now they got these little Mickey Mouse. Pretty soon they're going to have electric cars. Although <laughs> oh, the roar of the thunderous crown Vic, that's also like that, you know, you're in an officer involved situation, a really high risk situation. And then you hear a whole bunch of throated crown Vicks roaring your way. It's like, you know, you're going to, it's like a warming blanket. The sound is a blanket. You're like, oh, I'm going to be okay. Do you want to get back to Elvis or what? Yeah, I really do. Sorry about that. I just, I just, you were right. I, I like to jump in on the the whole motorcycle thing. He had a blonde on the back. Oh, See okay. the motorcycle, 100 miles an hour. I was watching a blonde when I stopped the car. You know. <laughs> Stop. So it happens to be Elvis. Oh, <laughs> I had Elvis. Oh. You know, I was just a beat cop. Right. Now, if I was a sheriff and busted Elvis, it would have been all over the world. I never brought it up. No, he's going 100 miles an hour. I took him down to the police station. I was going to book him. And he kind of talked me out of it. He was helping Reagan on a drug thing and all that garbage. Well, my motorcycle got stuck. and I, I know. So I took him next door to the police motorcycles. You know, they all wanted his picture. I never got a picture of this guy. I was just a cop. <laughs> so that's how I stopped Elvis. I'm still looking for the blonde. Are you saying that I'm Elvis bribed you? Yeah, maybe you guys can help. 1957, <laughs> Las Vegas. Elvis is doing the Hawaii movies. If you know that blonde, if you now that goes way back. But maybe yeah. one of your cops retire from Vegas. Oh, I re I know who that blonde was. I want to know. I've been searching for that for 50 years. Who's the blonde? Right. Was, did you uh, did you do like one of those Dear Abbeys in the newspaper? Dear Abby. <laughs> you know, Dear Abby wasn't even invented when I was there. You know, I'm an old guy. <laughs> it was Dear Martha Ann. <laughs> the what? It was like Dear <laughs> Martha Ann or Mary Lee, whatever those names were back in the <laughs> in the early nineties. You're Mickey Mouse streaming, whatever you call all this stuff. <laughs> um, makes me look older. So I was born, bring your uh, whatever you call it out, so, because, uh, you know, I have, this is my smart whatever phone, it's a flip-flopper. 
So bring this fire phone out, and I'm going to give you my date of birth, and you decide. Go to your phone. June You're 91 4. years old. June 14, Flag Day. Same as my hero, Donald Trump. So oh, seriously? 1932. So that's it. Now looking at this, it's like uh, 19. What? You don't make me look young, but whatever you want to go. So I'm, you're talking to an old law enforcement guy. Yeah, one of the like the OG white herbs. Drew, if you'll turn your mic down just a tad, it's super hot. Got um, it. But. Uh, Sheriff, you talked about being tough on crime. I wanted to read one article today really quick. I just want to get your take on it. You're running for mayor, correct? Yeah, I'm running for mayor. Running for mayor. I'm in town, and uh, uh, so I'm going to get back something to my hometown with all my international, national law enforcement. I have businesses I can go on and on. And so it's a small town, but uh, still uh, I can do a lot for her this town. Yeah, I mean, most of our listeners know exactly who you are. We've been talking about this for a week. They're all stoked. They pretty much know your history. For those uh, that are living under a rock, uh, Sheriff Joe is is known as one of America's toughest lawmen. Literally, if you play any news clip or any podcast, it's always it always starts with the toughest lawman in America. Really, he's a modern day Wyatt Earp. Um, and so now he is uh, 91 years old running for, for mayor in, in Arizona. But, uh, Sheriff, because you're the toughest lawman on the planet and, and policing is different in 2023, um, this is a case that just came before me this morning, Sheriff. And this is out of the U.K. I want to get your opinion on this really quick. Let me read this article uh, really fast. This is coming out of uh, West Yorkshire. This is in the U.K., uh, the chief constable here. They, uh, what, what happened was, and of course we don't know the whole story yet, but a 14-year-old girl was getting out of hand, and uh, the Yorkshire police showed up, and the this girl is autistic. Not artistic like Drew, but autistic. <laughs> and uh, this autistic female said that the police officer looks like a lesbian, at which point the officers arrested her for hate speech. Seven officers arrested a 14-year-old girl for hate speech. Now, I think there's probably more to the story, and I don't want to prejudge, but just the fact that the charging language was hate speech, and they actually put the quote in the charging language about be calling this woman a lesbian. What is your take on that? What is your opinion on the new attack on free speech? Because you're a big free speech guy, obviously. Well, first of all, I, I work with the uh, police uh, in London, when I was head of the uh, DEA in, in Turkey, fighting the drug traffic. So I worked with those guys. First of all, I've said for years and years, they ought to be carrying guns. I went through that on the uh, England many times. I've been interviewed on other matters, but I was just shoving there. How come you guys don't carry guns? Now, in this incident, maybe it's better they didn't have guns. Instead of just talking, they could have been shooting the guy, that person. So, I don't know. Freedom of speech? I'm the guy that knows. I'm the expert. Yeah. On thousands and thousands of interviews every day to this day. I believe in freedom of speech. New York Times interviewed me here last week or two weeks ago. Well, you're strange, Sheriff. I mean, I'm strange. You like bad publicity. I said, of course I do. 
what am I stupid every time you badmouth me? I hope you guys do too. My phone's <laughs> go up. So that's how I look at it. I'm not afraid of the media. They call me a publicity hound. Yeah. 60 minutes, they call me. I said, you guys call me. I'm not calling you. So freedom of speech is good, but I don't like what they're doing with the cops. Now, I don't know about you. I know cops, they ought to reevaluate the video cameras. I don't like videos. All the cops say, oh, this protects us. Oh, really? Once you're on that video and you spit and it goes public, you're on national TV showing you spitting. The police chief sends you under the bus. The mayor sends you under the bus because the video went national. And then they call the Justice Department, bring in the Civil Rights Division. Then they take over police department and the police chief and mayor. Oh, we're all cooperative. They're probably the ones that call the Justice Department. And you know what's happening? Right now, they, take, they have 19 agencies, law enforcement, including my, they're taking over this country using the Civil Rights Division. Then they get in there, and then they run the department for years and years. Lying, 15 years, 15 years, they've been running my sheriff's office. And you know what started this? My guys stopped the Hispanic, a little suspicious, brought him to the my jail, held him for six hours, found out he was legitimate. He sued me, sued me. And that biased judge, federal judge court here, one guy that we contacted, that one guy, he made a class action for the whole, for everybody. And from that day on, that biased judge, they finally got me on a contempt of court. <laughs> and it is a racial profile. It How did they get you on contempt of court? What did you do to get contempt of court? What I did? Yeah. I did my job. That's what I did. <laughs> I think I locked up 200,000 illegals. But it wasn't racial profile. We used race as a criteria, and I signed a contract with ICE, and I had 150 of my deputies trained to be able to enforce the illegal immigration laws. So they've been after me uh, 2009. Obama and Biden took office, and I'm very proud. They may be one of their targets for their 100-day Mickey Mouse report of what they're going to say. Now, Biden, okay, I, I met him in the way back. Now, Obama, I don't think I'm going to mention this on your show. Well, yes, I could. What are you going to do? Are you going to cut your show off? No. <laughs> Say whatever you well, want, dude. This is the trust well, tree. Good time. Nobody wants me to talk about it. Oh, talk about it, baby. Open up. Let's well, hear about it. I'm going to talk about it. You'll probably have the FBI shutting your camera off. There's a former president of the United States. Now, when the Tea Party came to me, 2011, they showed me a paper. 
paper, the birth certificate of Obama, alleged birth certificate. Yeah. And they said, sure, they know I'm controversial. Will you investigate this? And I'm I stupid. I was a top federal guy for years all over the universe. I'm going to take on the president of the United States. And anybody else would have said, oh, go see the FBI, or they're going to get their staff. The police chief will get the staff. We got to study this. They'll be studying it for 50 years. Okay? Took me two hours. I'm going to look into it. And I did. There's no doubt in a billion years that that is not a fake document. Are you saying that Barack Obama's birth certificate is not real and you saw it? Come on. You you never heard of this? What are you guys doing? (laughs) Bro, I'm like 40 years old, dude. I'm super young, okay? I'm like... Going no. on 28. You, I've you, heard of this. Th- you think it's fake? Who's Eric? You're I'm Eric. You're the one doing all the talk. I like this other guy. <laughs> That's because he's old. You old people stick together. <laughs> Let me tell you. I'm not a computer guy. Okay. Here's my typewriter right in the back of me, Smith Corona. So I I have a posse. I have three thousand. And I had 600 armed with the guns. So they really helped me fight crime. And I'm going to tell you a secret. When I was a cop, and I know you guys go through this, I used to get these guys at own liquor store. They all wanted to be cops. You know, they had their two-way radio. They would show up trying to help. I said, well, what are you guys? You're wannabes. I didn't like that. But boy, did I change my mind when I became sheriff. I hired 3,000 volunteers to help me fight crime. The birth certificate, first thing I said with the major press release, I don't care where this guy was born. I don't want anyone to talk about it. I'm looking at a fake government document, and I stuck with this. I stick with it today. I don't care about all the other crap, okay? Now, my first press conference, I said, I'm doing Obama a favor. I want to prove that his birth certificate is legitimate. I really did. But after the investigation, years of investigation, with all this computer and all this fake, all that. Now, all I did, we had a, uh, a lady born, same hospital, as Obama was supposed to be born, we got a birth certificate. We took hers, took Obama's. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We had to, right there we knew it was fake because we showed nine parts of hers was put on his. Very simple. Then uh, I wanted to really do it, put the nail in the coffin. I wanted a forensic scientist to show how that was removed and put there. I couldn't find anybody here. So I went to my hometown in Italy. My mother and father came from there. I had the Italian expert 
take it as a favor. Yeah, we'll do it. And they took it. And then they come back, wait a minute, those nine parts were taken off of here and put on there. And then I went to Hawaii, another guy, same thing. So when you take nine things on one person to the beginning, you paste it on the phony one, what else do you need? Because no one will look at it, the FBI, no one, nobody will talk about what I'm just telling you. Why? Why? When I locked up 200,000 uh, illegals, and most of them have fake government documents, fake documents, Social Security, all that. You take them down, it, they never even have a lawyer. They dump them back, in the fort, back where they came from. And this guy gets a pass, gets a pass. So I'm almost, if I wasn't a law enforcement guy, I would say, you, if you get busted with, with a fake document, give you a pass. They're sure giving Obama a pass, but nobody, no way. Every time I'm interviewed, Newsweek, uh, last one, I mentioned a person, they never played the show. Fox has blackballed me. Fox has blackballed me for four years. And I used to be on them for 24 years. You know why? I happened to mention the birth certificate. The reporter almost walked off the stage. What did I say? Poison? <laughs> I just mentioned a fake doctor. I've been blackballed over that. So I can never figure out. And nobody will talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. Why? Why? Why don't they want to talk about a fake? Well, then it's going to lead to, where's the real one? And then it's going to lead to, well, there isn't a real one. And I said from the beginning, show me your birth certificate, and I'll go away. Yeah, they showed me the birth certificate. It was fake. And that goes into other reasons why they went after me. I mean, this is only an hour show. I don't want to make it a birth certificate show. But that's no, I, listen, I'm right, I'm right there with you. I want to see Michelle Obama's vagina because I've heard a lot of evidence that she might not be a chick. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? The what? Michelle Obama is not a girl. She's a trans. What was it? Give me that question again. Michelle Obama might be a trans. You mean he he's uh, owns a train station? A uh, train? What do you mean trans? What is a trans? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Michelle Obama's penis. This thing X-rated your shoulder. I'm an equal guy. I lock everybody up. Some some have this to them. Some have that. I've been studying that because I do know somebody in my town that I won't get into it has something like that. So I become an expert now. But I was sure. What do you do with these guys or gals, whatever they are? Right. I, I used to put them very equally in a separate cell. So they got a separate cell. Now, I had 2.5 million people come through my jails. I wonder how I, I, I wonder how I'm never reelected all the time. I've had Barkley, I've had ball players. They all came to, to the jail, but I treated everybody okay. Those guys have to wear pink underwear, just like <laughs> everybody else. Now, I'm noted as a pink underwear shirt. Actually, we're selling underwear again because the money goes to the cops. I've been doing that for years. Sell the underwear, 
and then help the cops. Okay. So you think uh, you think Obama bought a pair of your pink underwear? Who? Obama. I don't know what cell I would put them in. So <laughs> why is everybody laughing? I didn't say anything wrong. I'm saying that because he's in the ex uh, ex president. Where do you put an ex president? They're trying to put my hero away, my close friend, ally. Whether you guys like it or not, I don't care. But my I've never had a hero in my life. Think of that. Think of that. And then my uh, uh, three years ago, uh, I was still the sheriff, and they interviewed me, and they said, uh, actually, it was after I was sheriff. MDC said, is John McCain your hero? And I paused. We had ins and outs, McCain. So I paused, and I said, Four months ago, I told my wife, I finally found my hero. Who's that? I said, Donald Trump. And I stick with that. I've never had a hero in my life. And I'm 90. At that time, I was 90. Now I'm 91. This had a birthday. Same day as him. We're born on the same day. I said that. I said it. And I say it to the end. I've been with him many, many times. I know him personally. And I'm going to tell you something. He loves the cops. It's not politics. I think maybe one day he wish he was a cop. So, and he loves the, uh, he, he loves the military. I'm a veteran. I joined the Army when the Korean War broke out. But I know. I was just with him two, uh, two uh, months ago down there at a little private meeting at his house. So he's my guy, and I'm it's, telling it's you, it's crazy because I thought you would uh, like. I thought because you and and the other the other Joe, I thought you guys were like closer in age, so you guys might be like peer peer friends. You know what I mean? What other Joe? <laughs> huh? Tyson? <laughs> oh, oh, Joe! Yeah, he stole my name too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you about this guy. No, I don't want to talk about uh, he's old and all that garbage. Give him a pass, okay? Judge him on what he really is not doing or doing wrong. But I met Biden. Actually, I met uh, Obama in 2009 in one of these courtesy things. In the same year, 2009, I met Biden. So, how are you doing? I testified before him in 1984 in Washington when he was head of the Judiciary Committee. He was pretty good at that time. He was tough on crime at that time. So, I get the picture. I'm in uniform. And then, for the first time in history, the Secret Service, I said, Where's my picture? Well, we lost. You lost a picture? You can't even take care of one picture of me, the famous sheriff? Yeah. I said, you didn't lose a picture. You burned <laughs> Because that was 2012. I, I, I was being investigated by Biden and Obama. They were so stupid. They'd even know, here I'm shaking hands with Biden. 
And he's investigating me. So that's how stupid they are. So naturally, <laughs> they don't want to be shaken hands with a guy, right, that they're investigating. So I could tell you a lot of, and everything I tell you is true, by the way. Everything. I'm saying what I'm telling you is true. That people may not like it. So I can tell you a million stories. Now, when you talk to me, you get a triple shot. You're getting three things on this interview. You're getting a sheriff. You're getting a comedian. <laughs> and my favorite song, I did it my way. <laughs> Trump stole my song. I was on a plane. I said, my favorite song is my way. That fits you 100%. And then he started playing my way. So <laughs> that's my song. Uh, my wife did not like that song. The married 63 years. She passed away. Married her in Chicago when I got sworn in as a federal agent in 1957. My son Rocco was born in Chicago. I feel sorry for my son because I was head of the DEA in many places. I know how we used to operate. When I got the job, after I left Vegas to get the job, the commissioner of narcotic calls me to Washington, interviewing me, giving my B cop, and they're interviewing me to be a federal narcotics agent. First thing he says, oh, you're Italian. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you have anything against locking up Italians? Mafia. He said, I lock everybody up. I don't care if they're mafia. Actually, some mafia, the guy is head of the uh, American uh, Italian club in, there, in Arizona, buddy of mine. He's only killed three, four people <laughs> when it was with the mob. But he's killing the right people. Sure, sure. <laughs> sure, as long as he's killing the right people. So, you know, so he's ahead of the, I had my birthday, June, at the club. And the guy, he gives me a, a nice... Uh, award or whatever you want to call it. He says, uh, I'm making you a life member. Oh, <laughs> making me a life member. Yeah, I'm 90 years old. If I was 60, you would never make me a life member. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so the mob, when I worked on a mob in Chicago. I worked on a mob in New York overseas. Uh, worked on a mob. That's okay. So every time we made an arrest, when I was a federal agent in Chicago, it could be a marijuana cigarette. They call from Washington. You sure is not mafia. It's just a marijuana cigarette. So, you know, you got the recall. They're going after Trump now. This uh, Georgia, they want to charge him with recall. Organized crime. Recall. Come on. I mean, we used to use that to get the money, you see, get yeah. the money, Rico. That's why law enforcement liked it, because they would get funds to help them do their job, because they never get enough money anyway from the regular budgets. So that's how that worked. So I don't know. I feel sorry for my son, though, because he's here. His name is Rocco. He was a great Italian name. And when he was born, I'm on a street corner in Chicago, 
for 10 hours cold. I fronted the money from a black uh, dope peller. The guy took my money. I had to wait to get the drugs back. My son is being born that night. So as the guy's coming back with the drugs, he dumps the drugs before he gets to me. The cops bust him. I said, wait a minute. Where's my drugs? I'd have to do about 20 reports. Why did you lose government money when you fronted it and you got nothing for it? So I told him to put me in jail with the guy. So I'm in jail with the guy. And the stupid guy, when I said, where's my drug? What do you do with it? Oh, I put it in a trash can. So I told the police, let me out now. You know, and I went to the trash can. I got the drug. Same time, my my kid is being born. So I, with the heroin, I run to the hospital. <laughs> so, here I am with heroin. My kid Rocco is being born. That's okay. I always made the job first anyway. But now Rocco, born in Chicago, you know, the Italians, you know, automatically if you're Italian, born in Chicago, they think you're uh, the mob. You, know, you guys know that. Yeah, Come sure. So, Where's uh, Rocco at these days? The what? Where's Rocco at these days? Where he's at? Yeah. Running my travel agency. What oh, do you that's right. For, for 43 years, Rock. Now, if it was a pizza shop, they'd be following him instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you know why I ran for sheriff? No, I was 61 when I ran for sheriff. I retired. I was head of the federal drug force at Arizona. I joined my wife in the travel business. I never got a free ticket from my wife. So 10 years later, and the sheriff before took away my account and all that stuff. So I'm going to run for sheriff. I was 61 years old when I ran. And I made a mistake. I made a big mistake uh, when I ran. I said, the sheriff's office should be appointed, not elected. What a stupid thing I said. I would have been fired in one month. Fire the sheriff, not this guy. He can investigate him, okay? Worst mistake I ever made was saying appoint the sheriff. These are police chiefs are appointed. You know, they get all these master's degrees. Probably half of them never locked anybody up. So, you know, all these educated guys, you know, all this stuff. Everybody wants master's degree. They get all over the Mickey Mouse computer anyway. So uh, that's my point. The cops need somebody that's been through the wars. They need somebody that will back them up, not throw them under the bus because they're on videos. Oh, they, I told you before, everybody loves the video. Yeah, the media loves the video. Even the police brass loves the media on the video. And that's what's happening in our country. Everybody reacts. It's all politics, all politics. And that's sad what the cops have to go through. And you know what? What's the sad part of it? And I don't blame them. Because 
proactive. You got to be proactive. You got to be able to stop a car. Maybe you'll find a dead body in the car. But why should you stop a car? Just trying to be proactive when you stop the car all at once. If you say something wrong or look crooked and it gets on the video, the video. See, I'm an old fashioned guy. Why do you need videos and all? Can't they take the word of a cop when you take the witness stand? Why do you need videos and all this garbage? That's what we have come to. They're after the cops more than they're after the bad guy. That's my old fashioned, and I had 60 years in law enforcement. So you're not talking about some rookie. You just got the master's degree from college. So we got to get back to the street because these cops are afraid something. Not afraid, but why should it be over, overactive? Well, knowing if you stop somebody and you look crooked and the stupid camera goes on and you may say something bad, you know, well, and then when you're trying to arrest somebody and you're struggling on the street and the video is filming this and so on, how can the cops actually subdue someone when they got all this equipment on them? Three phones, uh, all this equipment, the best, you know, machine guns, and you're trying to stop someone. You're trying to catch them. And I'm the expert on that. I had 19 assaults on me my last year in uh, D.C. Now, I never had any problem. Here I am with my blackjack and nightstick. People are shouting at me. Okay. I never was charged with anything. I never really did anything wrong. I was doing my job. Doing my, I was very active doing the job. And the wagon guys hated me. You know, you had to go to the box, call in, ask for a wagon after you catch someone. And I used to interrupt their coffee every hour on the hour. But I was very aggressive and active. Went to Vegas, changed a little. I became a little nicer in Las Vegas and uh, then became a federal agent. I was very aggressive there. Got a lot of promotion, regional director and all that stuff. So um, I lived it. I lived it. Lived it. I know all the tricks of the trade. I know what cops have to go through today. I know the garbage that the federal the federal government goes after, trying to take over every police department, and they do over a civil rights. And I, one question I have with all these police departments, every time you have a shooting or something, it's always the FBI and the ATF is there. I never called the FBI, ATF. We could take care of our own. Why are they there all the time? Are they really trying to find the cops doing something wrong there? Or maybe they get civil rights so that they can then take over the police department? We live in a tough time right now, I'll tell you. And I'm dealing with a law enforcement problem right now. Tough time. So we got to get some president back, which should be Trump, that loves the cops and don't put up with all this garbage that's going on now with the Civil Rights Division of the U.S. Justice Department. And Joe, you, uh, you left, uh, you left the, the jails and the prison systems um, 
you know, looking at it now in 2022, where you have so many overdoses from the new sheriff and so many fentanyl cases, I saw that one of the deputies was arrested for having close to like 500 fentanyl pills or methamphetamines. Like that didn't happen when you were in charge. What happened when I was in charge? No, it didn't happen when you were in charge. I mean, what do you, you know, yeah, is that, is that kind of like your point now is like, listen, like if you're not hard on crime, people are going to think that they can get away with things like this. Like, <laughs> I mean, had you, did you have other, you know, as far as I know that this young man, 26 years old, I think he was the, that was arrested for, he was an officer bringing in drugs to the Marcopia County jail. And uh, that hadn't happened in like 20 years. Is that true? About uh, my jails? Yeah. Yeah. So you said he had drugs on him in jail? Yeah, the deputy got arrested for bringing in methamphetamines and fentanyl last year. That's the sheriff to replace me. Right, right. Well, I've arrested people in the jail. I used to have shakedowns. Uh, But I'm not going to uh, do anything... uh, and I'm not bad-mouthing the current sheriff. I don't like what he's doing and all that. But he's a sheriff. He could do what he wants. But when I was a sheriff, I used to have fine drugs sometimes in the jail. I had shakedowns, so-and-so. But I always defended my officers. I always defended my detention officers. Not they did something really bad. They're going to pay for it. But these guys got a tough job. And you got to defend your cops. You got You don't throw them under the bus just because the media has called and right away. Wow, we got to really do something about this and all that garbage. So, I always defended my deputies, and I took the heat for my deputies, even about the jail when they went after me for contempt of court, which is a nothing. I defended my deputies. They have to be defended. Yeah, they have to know the brass is looking out for them and not trying to hang them. They should be hanging the criminal. But if you do something wrong, okay. But then why do you why do you have to go public? There's a sheriff down in Florida. I won't mention him. He's on all the time. Every time he makes arrests, he has this. Oh, I arrested two of my deputies. This is awful. They, they're going to pay for this. I could go. And the sheriff right now down in uh, Georgia, where Trump's going to be indicted probably next week, he's up there. This is a sheriff. He's up there this week. I will take care of Trump. He will he will be treated like everybody else. I'm gonna book him. I'm gonna take his photo. I'm going to do this. Why did he have to say that? Was he a tough guy? Because he and the county district attorney are all the same clique, if you know what I mean. Oh, a tough guy, right? I want to know how many people that they arrested that are. Maybe politicians. I don't think they go and say, we're going to take this guy to serve to say, we're going to book him. He's going to take his photo. Nothing is going to happen on my watch. Does he say that with everybody? No, it's Trump. That's why he's saying he's part of that gang there. And then they're going after Trump again for the fourth time. Indictment. They are after him. It's so obvious. 
so obvious. And he's a big sheriff and uh, police officer backer. I know that. I said that before as a fact. He loves me. Now, <laughs> first time we met was in 2015 when he had his first first rally here, and nobody would show up. The governor, 10,000 people were there in Phoenix. I'm the guy that got up there, and I look. I said, I never heard of you except for your hotel. And, uh, and I said, we're born on the same day. Ooh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and then I said, you're going to be the next sheriff. I'm next, not sheriff, because being president is like being a promote a demotion going from sheriff to president. <laughs> so, so, so I said that. Now, let me tell you something personal, something personal. And that's not why I love the guy. My wife had cancer. She used to watch. She, she just passed away. Sorry to hear that. I married her in Chicago. She used to watch Fox because Trump was on Fox. But she's got cancer. So I told Trump, I said, you know what? My wife watches you. What? Yeah. She's taking all the medicine and all that. Give me that phone. So he calls my wife. Now, this is way back, 2015. He has called my wife at least seven times, even when he was president, to see how my wife is doing. Think of that. He has a heart. It's all garbage they go after him. He's made a couple of mistakes, I have to say, who he hired. But, you know, when you had a CEO, you got all these people, you got to trust someone to get the job done and won't put the knife in the back. These these enemies put the knife in the back and then they keep twisting it. What's going on against him? So I'm a Trump guy. I don't know if they're going to, FBI is going to be watching you. They're watching oh, you. We were canceled from like the first five seconds of the show. I'm not even worried about it at this point. But we've got somebody that requests a very specific story from you, sir. And it's... um. They want to know the story about what happened to you in Turkey when your car got shot up. Do you have time for that story? Now, which car are you talking about? I, I think you were talking about when I was shot at nine times. That wasn't Turkey. That was a different deal. That happened in D.C. We're talking about marijuana, too. When they, they, It's all going to be legalized, I understand. You want to hear about that story? When yeah, I, I, I want to hear both of them. I want to hear the D.C. I one, and I want to hear the Turkey one. Shot up in, in Turkey especially. But I'll tell you one thing in Turkey. After my great job as a federal agent in narcotics in Chicago, I got a double promotion. They sent me to Turkey by myself. I had to leave my family, Rocco and everybody in Chicago. So I go to Turkey. They give me a 38. Think of this. My 38 snub nose and a 57 Chevrolet turkey. I'm out there shooting at dope pillars and everything with a 38. And the Chevy, I have to travel 400 miles from Istanbul. I take a few cops with me, put them in the trunk. The reason I put the Turkish police in the trunk, because when you go to arrest somebody, I need some help. So I take the trunk. The, two, the guys pop out of the trunk. 
then they panicked, shoot guns, everybody's shooting guns. <laughs> so that's how my operation was. One guy, I was one of two agents worldwide overseas to stop the drugs before they get here, the United States. That was my mission. They didn't give me much help when I was showing the money to the dope peddler. How could I show $100? I had to put white uh, paper instead of showing the 100000 to buy this stuff. I have to fake that. And the police, they get out. It's supposed to be the toughest uh, military of the Korean War. Where they're not the toughest cops, believe me. But I used to bring them with me. I can't make the arrest myself. So I remember my biggest case was a guy was bringing opium up in the mountains. Here I am, you know, in the boondocks. And the cops are in the trunk. And I had a follow-up jeep. Here, they're bringing me the dope. Now, I was shocked. Don't forget, 18 people usually come with their guns because they want to protect their interests. They didn't get all the dope from one farmer. So they bring me over a ton of opiate, world's record. So here I am going out to the guy, posing. You know, they're so stupid, the dope peddlers. I could be Chinese. They think I'm American. They don't care where you are. They don't know me anyway. So I could say I'm Chinese. Chinese, or I'm Italian, oh, Italian. They don't care. All they want is uh, money, money. So you know, I remember one one of the uh, mules started to run. So I shot, killed the mule. Now, I'm a big animal guy. I don't like people abusing animals. This is different. This is an opium animal. I'm glad I shot him because that put me over a, a ton. If I didn't shoot that mule, it would have been under a ton. You know, a ton sounds great. When you say a ton of them, that was the world's record. So this is my modus when I used to have to work uh, in Turkey. But then I became the regional director years ago, later in Mexico, South America. And uh, Nixon has closed that border. I helped him close the border for two weeks. And then I became regional director. They all hated me. <laughs> and, uh, fortunately, I had the attorney general at my house trying to get some type of cooperation because I couldn't. In those days, I used to use my guys undercover, did the same thing. Now you can't do anything. He's agent. So how do I get this guy in my corner? So Attorney General of Mexico, like my wife's food. So my wife cooked <laughs> blueberry pie. Now, I threw in some whiskey from the PX. I didn't put the whiskey in the pie. That was extra. So the guy loved the PX whiskey, and he loved blueberry pie. I never had a problem. Never had a problem on my case. Now, other cases... Uh, different, but they never mess up my case because of blueberry pie and whiskey. And I had Noriega in Panama. I had agents there, too. I used to visit him. He was playing both sides, if you remember. But I got by with him. I get by with these guys. When they go after Trump, oh, he's met with Putin or the rocket guy, the Korean guy. That's awful. Oh, stupid. 
he meets with them in the back room. Now, he didn't give him blueberry pie. He probably promised him, I don't know, something. So when he's back there talking, he's making deals. That's why we never had any problems. You go into the back room to make deals. And uh, maybe the police chiefs and mayors and governors and all that should have a back room sometime. They get things settled. And if you really want to do something to protect the cops, first responders, maybe you ought to do something better for them. Now, you can give them raises. They deserve raises, number one. But that doesn't mean anything. These guys have to know that you're going to be defended, especially when you're, especially when you're not guilty. But they throw you to the wolves, throw you to the wolves before they even do an investigation. They throw you to the wolves. The video shows this, this, this. Wait a minute. You're going to go by what videos show? Come on. We know better than that. We know better. So we need leadership from Washington. Quit talking about it. The border, I have 35 years' experience on both sides. I was a top guy on the Mexican side. I lived there in Sheriff for 24 years. Add it all together. I know the border. All these politicians, all the politicians go to the border every time there's an election. They say before the, the fence, the wire fence, I am going to stop this border problem. I will do it. They don't do nothing. It's been 26 years. Congress has never changed the law. All these cops go down there. Garbage men go down there. They're running for janitor. I am going to close the border. They don't even know what a border is. If I was a, a young again, I'd open up a taco shop at the border when all these old guys are coming from everywhere, from New York, Chicago. They all come to the border. Where are they? They taking a tour? No, they want to stand there, be tough. I will stop the drugs coming over. Vote for me. Vote for me. It's all garbage. Okay? Nothing is being done. I got one more question for you, Sheriff. Uh, have you seen the movie Sound of Freedom? The what? The movie Sound of Freedom. I got to get that. What are you drinking? I can't hear you too well. Oh, I'm sorry. Have you seen the movie Sound of Freedom? Freedom. Sound of Freedom. I didn't get that first word. The movie, Sound yeah. of Freedom. Oh, the movie? What movie? I, I like movies. Which one are you talking about? The G Sound of Freedom. Rated, huh? The Sound of Freedom. Never heard of that movie. You've Sound never of heard Freedom? of The Sound of Freedom? Sound of Freedom? Yeah. I'm a movie guy. Believe me, all, my only hobby is watching movies. What, what, what is that, a G-rated movie? What is it, Sound of Freedom? Is that uh, something to do with free speech and all that? Well, I, it has a lot to do with the border. Uh, Sound <laughs> I can't believe freedom. you haven't seen this movie. I only watch myself at the border. It's it all about child sex everything. trafficking. So I don't know. It was sex trafficking? Yeah, child sex trafficking. It's like a Trump movie. Like they're calling it a Trump movie at least. Yeah.
You know, you got me on that one. I must have I been watching Donald Duck or something. So, so what, <laughs> I guess you're gonna the, have to go see. It. What's the question on that movie? What, whatever they're saying. I just wanted to know if you'd seen it. No, I. What your thoughts on it were? I have not seen it. No. I see my movies and documentaries, but I don't see this one. What about it? No. Is it a controversial movie? Yeah, very controversial. I mean, I don't think it's controversial, but Hollywood it's thinks it's controversial. They call it a conspiracy theory movie. Oh, conspiracy and all that. So now, why don't you ask me the tough question? You guys are so nice. I like oh, you want you want a tough question? No, why don't you ask? I, I, I shouldn't be telling you what to ask me, so I'm going to volunteer it. Hey, yeah. sure. All right. I've got one for you right now, if you can hear it. Um, listen, since I, I don't understand old. I can't I can't understand the talk. I'm gonna play a clip from you. And so since you're like the same age as Joe, maybe you can answer you can tell me what Joe Biden is saying. Roll this clip really quick and we'll see if Sheriff Joe can American. understand <laughs> President Joe. Go ahead and play the clip. There's a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot him uh, foot, foot excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping traveling with them. And that's who traveled 17,000. All right, what did he say right there? Do you know what he said? Can you, can you interpret that for us? Well, it's, it's tough, uh, uh, but uh, that's okay. I, I, I know him, and uh, wow. I make fun of him, which is okay. We got, we got to make sure he's not the president again, uh, but uh, I don't like the, what's going on in the country. I don't like the gas. Trump had it down a nice person. Over here in Phoenix, it's like almost five dollars. Come on, everything's going up. I can go the economy and all that. Yeah. But Biden does—he's he, not running. He can't even read the teleprompter. <laughs> when I introduced uh, at the national convention, I was guest speaker in Cleveland. And they tried to stop me, but I happened to bump into Trump. And I said to him, if I don't, listen, I, I will take the stage. He says, you're not going to be on the stage? No. He took care of that. But when I did introduce him, and this is, I got prime time the last minute. But before that, they called me to the back, and people are ranging to this, you got to, you got to uh, use a teleprompter. I said, I don't use teleprompter. No, you got to use a teleprompter. Giuliani took 20 minutes uh, one night, screwed up the whole program. He said, we're going to get the teleprompter guy in. We're going to teach you. I said, okay. Then they give me a speech. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to talk uh, what you're telling me to say. I'm talking about my wife. No, you have to read the speech. I said, we're well, going to kick me off the stage. I don't have to read your stupid teleprompter. So they try to make sure I follow the script. I don't follow scripts. And I gave my talk from the heart for Trump, Cleveland, prime time, because they stalled. They got me in at the last minute. But that's how they operate. At least Trump, now he's reading the teleprompter more than he used to. So I'm sure he's got to be careful. Sometimes what he says, we got four indictments. You know, I think it's three, one coming up. One more.
how many more are you going to get? So it's just like I say. By the way, he pardoned me. I'm his first pardon. Never really asked for it. On this Mickey Mouse contempt of court. It's a, the biggest hit piece in history. But he pardoned me. I was the first one. And I'm proud of that. Not that I really care, because the most they could do on a contempt of course, like a dog bite, is put me in jail for six months or a $500 fine. So I'm thinking, maybe it would have been good going to jail. You know, that would have been, my polls, I could run for governor, for president. So but he knew it was garbage way back there. And he knew it. He did something about it. And I look at that. That's not why I like the guy. That's not why, because of that. I like the guy because he's got courage and he's got a heart. I was just with him two months ago. Very you, nice. Uh, have you ever written a book? Are you going to write a book? Where you been? Oh, you, you already have a book. I wrote three books, America's Toughest Sheriff and then Joe's Law. In the, in the, right here. Oh yeah. You you know, everything's in there, including the birth certificate. So I got to get you a copy. Yeah, we got to get a copy of this. Like, where if you, where can you find this on Amazon? I imagine. And it is all true. I'm telling you, there isn't a word in there that I can't back up. So, read it. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna read it. Have the cops read it. Absolutely. Listen, uh, we really, really appreciate you uh, coming on. We appreciate everything you've done for this country, for all your many, many years of service. Um, it's been just an absolute pleasure to sit here and hear your stories. I cannot wait to read the book. Um, anything else you want to close on, Sheriff? Yeah, I want to thank you guys. I go back to cops, to TV. You, know, you, guys are, you guys are right there live. I guess you're alive, right? Yeah. I know you're alive, live for you're not dead, but I think right, right. But you guys do a lot for the cops because nobody talks has a show like yours. It's for the cops, but I hope more than just cops listen to it. Everybody should be listening to it because I like it because you it's not all script. You can talk man to man. We need more like that. Everything is script. They make a movie. And, Talk the media, the press conferences, everything's script. And when you talk about the Congress, they already know what they're doing. They all of them. They go to the back room, the Democrats and the Republicans. Oh, we're gonna do this. They're all in bed together. You wanna know that? That's the way it works. But you guys are pure. The only thing I don't like about you guys, you didn't give me any hard questions. You give me these softball. I like the tough one, but I volunteered my tough ones anyway. I think you did. I didn't have to ask any tough ones. I I was just, I, you know, listen, when you start talking, all I want to do is listen. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't really want to, I don't, I don't really want to interrupt because I'm, I'm, I, I'm fascinated by the stories that you tell. Um, and kind of the glory days of policing, man, uh, you know, cops like me, young guys, right. Young bucks like me, we never got to see that kind of policing. We've always been, uh, we're kind of in the era of the political police officers. Uh, I call it. I don't want to criticize you, but this is a kind of show anyway. Now, you're Eric or you're Drew? Who yeah, is I'm Eric. Eric? I'm Eric. Eric. 
Drew's microphone was fucking up, so he bailed. Oh, you, the microphone? I yeah. like that other guy. Yeah. Well. The microphone? Did I blow up? the FBI just blow up? Or you're, you're taping me or tapping my lines? Something happened. You guys are tapping me. This is a good call. And the crazy thing is, is that Drew is like the biggest fan of yours of all time. Like he's been so excited about this show all week. And then he comes on and his shit doesn't work. And I get to sit here and make a ass out of myself asking stupid questions. What's that thing you're wearing? Gun up? Guns up. Giddy up. What's giddy? Like a horse? Hey, by the way, they have a horse named after me. Tell your audience. All right. The famous horse. Secretariat's ranch. Son, whatever you call Sheriff Joe. No way. Every race. (laughs) This horse is a champion. Believe me, going to be a champ. Sheriff Joe. So you're going to hear every time the cops better say they better put some money in. I don't get any money. They just use my name. But remember Sheriff Joe, you guys. Bring your wives and your gals and put some money in to help Sheriff Joe. Yeah, we're definitely going to put money down on Sheriff Joe. Yeah. Sheriff Joe chasing all the... uh, (laughs) What color horse is Joe? (laughs) What kind of horse? No, what color is the horse? Tell me it's white. No, you're right. White here in the four legs. Four legs are white. This is a champion. (laughs) He's only a year and a half. So you guys know. You know, when you're in a patrol car, turn it on. You can't gamble on the patrol car, right? <laughs> you can have coffee. Uh, right across the street from my building here. Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. Dutch full coffee. Hey, well, hey, listen, we really appreciate you coming on, sir. We know you have a really busy day. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you again for coming on. Uh, from myself, from Drew, who disappeared earlier. Uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, guys, thank you guys so much. Guns up. Giddy up. Stay safe. Watch your back.